Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 49. Uh, it's just me again for this episode. I'm going to be covering in this one a much maligned group of bands. I'm going to be looking at some of my personal favourite examples of Christian metal. While Christian metal obviously isn't a subgenre in itself, because of the way I think these bands get booked and kind of some of the issues they have playing with other bands, they often end up lumped in together to some extent. But what I'm going to try and do here is show you some great examples from pretty much the full spectrum of metal subgenres of bands taking the Christian perspective. So full disclosure for this, I'm not Christian, I'm not remotely religious at all, but I also don't have any issues with people discussing their faith and ideas in music. I think as a kid I, I had much more of a kind of reaction against that when I heard some more overtly kind of religious bands especially because when you're getting into metal you grow up on the likes of Slayer and so on like especially getting into death metal you sort of very early on we hit bands like Deicide where the entire lyrical concepts are very aggressively anti-Christian and again no problem with that either I think um, a lot of these bands sometimes have reasonable points to make but it's interesting because we're so, so kind of used to that. The idea of a band being Christian often seems quite at odds with the idea of being a metal band. But realistically, metal is a very passionate genre of music. I think the, a lot of these bands find a way to be extremely you know, into their lyrical content by talking about their religion. And it can, to a lot of genres, like, having that kind of intensity really adds a huge amount. Also, say, for the more, like, kind of extreme metal end of it, just a lot of biblical language sounds really epic and kind of quite horrific in a lot of ways. So there, there's cool ideas to explore there. In terms of why I think these bands are so separated, I think a lot of it is stuff like there has to be sort of Christian metal-specific festivals a lot of times, because you're a band playing, playing festivals is going to be a huge part of your exposure. But it might be quite difficult if you're a very devoutly religious person to share a stage with bands, you know, like Rotting Christ or something along that nature. So I think a lot of these bands do tend to stick together to some extent. And it might be why, in a lot of these cases, a lot of these are more unknown. I think most of what I've been going over today, you might have heard of a couple of them. I'd be surprised if you know all of them, because actually a lot of them were new to me when I started researching this episode. Alright, so let's get into it. The first band I'm going to be covering today is the Australian death doom band Paramecium. So these guys uh, formed in the 1990s, and I'm going to be covering their first album, Exhumed of the Earth, which was released in 1993. So this album was a complete kind of surprise to me. I'd never heard anything about it before. Actually, uh, my girlfriend Mel found it uh, when she was looking up, like, helping me do some of the research for this episode. And this was, the, I think, the real revelation one for me. So its cover is very unassuming and very obviously like a Christian band. There's, it's kind of some very uh, like medieval-style fonts around a photo of a cross and a stone angel next to it. Uh, and the album starts in amazing fashion. I, I was blown away like a minute into this. So the album opens with the incredibly ambitious 17-minute long The Unnatural Conception, Birth and the Massacre of the Innocents. It builds in with this slight kind of like sort of keyboard swell and then this monstrous death doom guitar tone kicks in. It just the first riff, it's a very, very simplistic riff that repeats like almost endlessly it feels, but the chunkiness of the tone, I, you're initially just totally battered over the head with it. And as I say, I had no idea what this was going to be going in other than the lyrical themes were going to be Christian. So you get this kind of slow, massive sounding attack of the guitar. And then these ridiculously high-pitched operatic female vocals come in. So I was like, okay, this is going to be like doom with like kind of a lot of high-pitched clean singing, like possibly slightly reminiscent of Paradise Lost Gothic. But those very quickly give way to some super guttural screams, which are actually the lead part of the album. Like, that's most of the vocals. Bass player Andrew Tompkins also does vocals and lyrics, and that is essentially the sound, is that kind of death metal scream over this very slow, heavy, kind of repetitive, but repetitive in an atmospheric kind of way, 
um, guitar riffs, and it's only very small smatterings of this kind of high-pitched operatic vocals, which is more to the bizarre ambition of this album, because this is their first proper release, like they had one demo before it, and they open the album with a guest vocalist, like, Andrew's vocals don't come in for another, um, yeah, another kind of two two minutes or so, it's quite, takes quite a while to get going, and this is certainly the kind of music you need to give time to build up. Some of the later songs are are a lot shorter and a bit more to the point, like the, the second track, uh, Indigitial, is only four minutes long and has a bit more kind of traditional death metal riffing. But then there's some cool surprises towards the end. Removed of the Grave, the final track, has some great like acoustic guitar work and a bit of like flute playing and I believe a bit more of the clean vocals as well. But overall, this album is one of those shows of just monumental riffing really really big doom riffs if you're into your kind of older kind of the kind of initiation of doom as a proper genre like any of the bands in that vein these guys paramecium are absolutely essential i i was really quite surprised actually i'd never heard of it because if you if you look at the timeline of this so this is their debut it came out in 93 at that time we just had winters into darkness that was 1990 so a little bit before but Ferragothan's uh streams from heaven wouldn't come out to a year later and disembowelments uh transcendence into the peripheral came out the same year so this is right there at the birth of that extreme death doom sound and i really feel like if if not sharing like the kind of level of influence those other albums had, they're certainly close in terms of quality. I was incredibly surprised at just how solid this album is. So yeah, if you like your Extreme Doom stuff, really give this a go. This is the only one of their albums I've checked out. They've done four more albums um, under the name Paramecium and then changed the name to um, In Exordium. But I I've heard none of, none of what they go on to do. I believe they get slightly more um, melodic as they go on. The other cool thing about this is actually sort of the Christianity and the lyrical themes. They've used um, a combination of... Basically, I think this is a concept album about the kind of life of Jesus, but they've put it all in kind of death metal English, so it's got this kind of really aggressive... Um, fucked up nature to it i mean the the opening track being called the unnatural conception really wouldn't put you in mind of christianity necessarily if you heard a doom song called that but it's obviously a um a metaphor for, or not metaphor it's like a description of the uh the virgin birth but yeah they've just really lent into the kind of more visceral brutal nature of some of the christian mythology and i think that's a really fun way to take doom stuff and if you consider it really like there's a load of more christian themed things in in a lot of doom bands who aren't religious say you look at the samaritan by Candlemas or doom over the world by reverend bazaar those two could both be seen as kind of christian metal songs despite the fact i don't believe either of the bands are at all so i I don't think there's any barrier to entry if you're not religious here. Also, the the vocals are so guttural, and even the cleans are so high, you could never tell what's being said. Yeah, this is an incredibly good album, and if you want to get more into the history of early Doom, I'd say this is a near-essential purchase.
so the next band we're covering are a very closely related band actually this is another australian band but more in the death metal camp than the doom camp this is mortification and their second album scrolls of the megalith released in 1992 so these guys formed very early in the 90s and they are that kind of early end of pretty brutal death metal we're kind of talking kind of a suffocation influence a bit of a cannibal corpse influence just heavy riff driven extremely guttural death metal doesn't quite hit like some of the hyper fast paced moments of some of the other bands i want to say they're related jason sherlock the drummer of uh, paramecium is also drummer for mortifaction so was in this album like just one year beforehand Mortification are mainly led by vocalist and bass player Steve Rowe, and he's taken the band through a lot of incarnations over the years. I think they've got a bit more of like a thrash metal direction. The lineup is rounded out by guitarist Michael Carlisle, who also does backing vocals. We also get uh, guest backing vocals from um, Paramecium's frontman and the frontman of the American thrash metal Christian band uh, Vengeance Rising. So... It's kind of a star-studded Christian metal lineup, or at least would go on to be, I guess, in the future. But what's really cool with this is he's very much taking like a similar lyrical approach to what Paramecium were doing by just throwing in all the kind of most apocalyptically massive-sounded biblical imagery. Like they, the, the title alone, Scrolls of the Megalith, really sounds like a straight-up death metal title. I think, again, it has... With this one as well, it's like the front cover has got a spiky logo. There's loads of bones and stuff. It it just looks like a death metal cover. You could totally be forgiven for not realising there is anything going on here. I mean, with track names like Necromanticide, um, Raise the Chalice, Eternal Lamentation. This just sounds like death metal. And the whole performance of this album is really good. It's just another one of those albums where... It's not reinventing the wheel. Obviously, in 92, we were well into the kind of rise of death metal. So this isn't throwing anything that new at it. It's just done really, really well. Much like the previous album, there's just a huge amount to be said for the quality of the guitar tone, the drum sound. I really like Steve Rowe's vocals as well. He's just got this brilliant kind of vaguely clear but still quite guttural sound to it. Real standout performance on this album is Jason Sherlock's drumming. It's just so kind of varied and interesting. He does a lot where he leans into the blast beats. There's loads of riffs as well that build up just doing that kind of like one guitar doing the, the kind of the riff part and then the other two are just like doing quick stabs throughout it. But everything on this is really solid. Like the solos sound pretty cool. It's just really well put together death metal the only um, real surprise on the album is the final track ancient prophecy we get a bit more of that kind of paramecium doom feel like it's a very slow builder like after nine tracks of pretty intense death metal having a 12 minute long kind of epic closer is a really good way to kind of pull the album together and keep things pretty interesting the album's got like almost an hour long runtime, which for a kind of early 90s death metal band you can see there's a lot of ideas on display here i'm not too much uh, familiar with a lot of other work by this band but they've got a huge amount like in their discography now and i think um steve rowe has been for quite a lot of lineup changes and changes in direction so it may well be worth diving into other bits of their catalogue i'm definitely gonna sort of go back and check out the first and third album around this because this was some really solid death metal Scrolls in the middle of 
Christian metal without diving into what is almost certainly the most common genre of Christian metal bands, power metal. And the band I've chosen to cover for this is Divine Fire from Sweden, formed in around 2004. Um, I'm going to cover their second album, Hero, released in 2005 on Revel Records. So this band is mainly led by Yanni Stefan. Stefanovic, who plays on this album guitars, drums, keyboards, backing harsh vocals, and programming and orchestrations. And but we also have Christian Rivel on vocals and Andreas Olson on on bass. Sorry, um, this is one and truly bombastic power metal. We'll get into the lyrics in a bit, but like the main thrust of this is that kind of power metal where it's double kicks and really fast drumming throughout really intricate complex guitar work high over the top uh, like screeching vocals but very melodic everything's super melodic and despite like having all this speed and almost aggression to it it's so hyper cheesy music but yeah so this album was an album that took me quite a while to get my head around when i first came across it the cover alone i thought was I, I, yeah, I was never going to get past the fact it's just a big image of Jesus near a church in space. Like, it, it's the most incredibly power metal thing going. And the lyrics are so incredibly Christian metal. It, it, they, whereas the previous two bands, you could be forgiven for having, like, never noticed. With this, it's very clear, clean singing, so you get exactly what um, the singer's talking about at all times. And this is so incredibly, like, essentially doing power metal hymns, like, really praise your name kind of stuff. Um, I think, yeah, sort of the one of the opening lines to the title track, uh, Divine Fire, uh, is... I try to do the best I can to serve your name. And I remember when I first put this on, I was like, ah, yes, this is incredibly religious. But actually, given time, I think this really works. Because a lot of Palmer's or lyrical themes are incredibly stupid. If you ever, say, sit down with, like, a Dragon Force album, back when I listened to them, I remember thinking most of the songs were literally about nothing. At least with this one, there is some degree of... They are making a point, and they're very passionate about it. I'm not sure how much they get on board with it, but it certainly it lends itself to the kind of expression that you get through Christianity. And actually, having the backing death metal vocals certainly adds something else in. There's a great chant in the middle of the aforementioned divine fire of like the death metal vocals chanting, uh, I must destroy my ego, which is just a cool idea in itself. So there is good stuff there. But if you can't deal with the very Christian angle, I don't think this band will be for you. Honestly, though, I I was pretty amazed by it. Uh, Yanni's performance on it is kind of mind-blowing because the quality of the guitar playing is, is amazing and the drums sound really, really good. Although he is also credited with programming, so I don't... Possibly they're programmed. But um, he seems to be an incredibly prolific musician. And actually, like uh, Christian as well, the vocalist, has a lot of other projects they're involved in. We'll get into a few more of those later. There's also on this album a load of guest sessions from other like luminary members of the Christian metal scene. There's guitar solos from members of both Narnia and Stormwind. This is really one of those bands that if you want to get more into the general scene, I'd highly advise going and looking at related projects. Um, one I, I've 
I'm vaguely familiar with is Christian is also vocalist for the band uh, Seven Daves, who are like more of the kind of prog power metal direction. They're not as fast or bombastic as this, but they're probably more melodic. Uh, whereas like Yanni's in all sorts of stuff. Um, Solution.45, who are kind of a more groove rock kind of band, and another sort of Christian one. He's not always, although he is overtly Christian, he often tailors that to a lot of his bands. So if there's other members who aren't, he won't be quite so over the top of it. But he's also in The Weakening, which is more of a metalcore band. Few Against Many, which is like a melodic death metal project. So you can see he's got an incredible amount of different influences going on. And between these projects, he plays like bass, guitar, drums, or does screen vocals for him. He's an incredibly prolific musician. I think he's got at least like 20 albums to his name at this point. And because of the variation, you'd be hard-pressed not to find something you enjoy there. I understand, though, of all the bands we're playing today, I think Divine's Fire would definitely be like the hardest sell but if you can get into the cheesiness of it there's certainly something great there my life is not as easy as it seems no one's love I had to add in that I found this morning and a very related related project because um, it also features Yane from Divine Fire on Guitar is Miseration. Uh, they're a Swedish kind of Christian metal supergroup doing incredibly hefty, very modern sounding, super polished death metal, but fast and aggressive as fuck. Interestingly, I don't think they are a particularly Christian band, because although they feature members of a lot of the other bands I mentioned before, for example, The Weakening and Solution 45, their vocalist, Christian Elverstom, is the vocalist of Scar Symmetry, the scream vocalist of that band, I should say. And he's not religious. So Yanni, I think, who writes most of the lyrics, has said he's somewhat toned down the Christianity in this for him. Ironically, the only non-Christian member of the band is called Christian. But still, this is some really, really solid death metal. When With these kind of supergroup projects, often they seem kind of throwaway. But actually, I'd say this seems like some of the better work of a lot of these bands. 
like it through the I'm covering the second album, The Mirroring Shadow. I've not heard the first or third one yet, and it looks like uh, they've lost a lot of the lineup since that, since this kind of phase of the band. But it is incredibly no frills, modern, not quite tech death, but it, extremely competent, fast death metal. The cover is your kind of standard, slightly sci-fi uh, death metal fare. But it is just all around so well done. I was completely amazed. And it's just the amount of genres these guys seem to be capable of with. Because we've got members of metalcore bands, power metal bands, uh, like groove metal bands. Even with Scar Symmetry. Like Scar Symmetry are not a heavy, brutal death metal band. They're very high in the melodic end of things, but this is an extremely aggressive project. A slight correction to what I said earlier, Christian used to be Scar Symmetry's vocalist. He's been replaced by Robert Carlson in more recent years, who's the vocalist of Pamphamonian and Facebreaker, among other projects. But anyway, yeah, check out this band, because I, I think if you like your death metal, you'll, similarly to me, you'll be automatically impressed by this one. So the subgenre that I had real trouble finding something for, but actually have eventually got to a really great example, was black metal. As you can imagine, there is there is examples through through the years of Christian black metal bands, but most of them I found to be a bit awkward. So when I was asking about this um, at Sourgrove on Twitter, who is a certain person well worth following if you like your kind of avant-garde and weird black metal, I've picked up loads of recommendations from her. Recommended this band. So this is. Panegrist, uh, spelt P-A-N-E-G-Y-R-I-S-T, and their debut album, Hyrugri. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Not really sure. But this is um, a very interesting avant-garde project put out in 2018 by the amazing I Void Hanger Records, which are a record label who specialise almost exclusively in avant-garde black metal, but seemingly have a thing going recently of all their album covers are fucking spectacular, this one included, and I believe it's drawn by um, one of the band members. But yeah, you'll just have to look this one up because I cannot explain what the hell's going on, but it's beautiful. Like, very much leaning into that kind of biblical interpretation of angels as giant wings of wheels. Um, wheels of wings, I should say. So this album really, like, 
throws a load of weird ideas at you. So the lineup is all pretty much unknown. It's a it's a, essentially a six piece. I think five of them are in the band, the drummers are session musicians. Hopefully they manage to find a full time drummer so they can actually tour this. But we have three guitarists, two vocalists, bass player and drums. And the album starts with this kind of gentle piano and this very choral kind of clean singing voice. And it almost has like kind of hymn kind of nature in the intro track, um, Hymn of Inversion. But then when that gives way to the first proper song on the album, uh, Idyls of the Cave, we get this great kind of switching back and forth, which is so kind of incredibly obvious in the avant-garde, between these choral clean vocals and then quite harsh black metal screams over this incredibly complex and shifting black metal it's really well crafted like despite the amount like the amount of guitars there are going on this the bass gets an amazing look into it um the structures of the songs are all over the place it just all in all i i can't really fault this album on anything other than being inc like almost too experimental for its own good but realistically, they, they've got an incredibly unique idea here. And like having something this out there and weird in 2018 is really pushing the boundaries. Their lyrical takes are really good as well. Like A lot of what they seem to be doing lyrically is attacking that kind of satanic ideal of, you know, the cult of strength, that kind of... Oh, say like, the you know the first wave of black metal thing of Satanists acting like they individually are strong and powerful, and this is kind of poking a lot of places in quite um, biblical language, poking fun at that, and this works so well with this kind of dual vocal attack. Yeah, there's all sorts of surprises in this. It does um, something I really like as well. The title track, the close of the album, is like a 12 minute epic, whereas a lot of the songs beforehand have been far more focused. It's an album I've I've only had chance to sort of listen to like ten or so times, and I think it's going to need more time than that for me to really get deep into it. There's a lot of interesting stuff. I believe there's like themes from the intro repeating the kind of closing track of the album. It it's just seems like a very deep piece of music, exactly what you want from avant-garde black metal. I mean, if you're into your black metal. This might be for you. The, those kind of more choir or clean vocals will be a sticking point for a lot of people. But for me, I, I thought they were absolutely beautiful. And, and make it in places feel quite rem reminiscent of, say, kind of early Arcturus, that kind of sound. Where maybe you mix with a bit of, like, uh, later Dossheim's Guard in places. <laughs>
so we, before we get into the final band I'm going to talk about today, um, I'm going to give some honourable mentions for other genres like and other bands that I didn't have quite enough time to really get into. So for thrash metal, uh, one of the most famous Christian metal bands are Tourniquet, particularly their album Psychosurgery. It was an interesting album. Uh, I gave it a couple of listens. This was one, though, and I think this is often a problem for people with thrash metal. I just couldn't get past like, the weird vocal approach. But like some really clever ideas going on there. Something I was a bit more uh, easy to get into in that similar vein is Believer and their debut album, Extraction from Mortality. That album is in that cool mid like middle place before like death metal was really established and when thrash was kind of spinning out where some of the thrash bands got quite weird it's I, I never got into it in the first place because I initially heard it compared to bands like Atheist and it doesn't have quite have that level of jazzy technicality but it's certainly techy for thrash and it's got a very uh, harsh like vocal and guitar approach like it's a lot more brutal than Atheist's music but yeah just less complex but yeah definitely one to check out if you're into that kind of early 90s kind of American post-thrash kind of scene or yeah proto-death metal that kind of thing in this true brutal vein crimson fawn are great for doing kind of very christian lyrics over incredibly brutal death metal it was a, yeah another like very interesting release and i think kind of more caught my eye because of the lyrical approach than anything else uh one that i couldn't get hold of for love nor money but would love to at some point is the debut from the Finnish band Immortal Souls. Uh, this is Under the Northern Sky. So Stan from Into the Combine recommended this on um, their last episode, and it's this just amazing. If you imagine kind of a kind of harsher children of Bodom, if you have sentenced uh, north from here, kind of very much in that vein, but Christian metal. Uh, they even a similar color palette to the covers of North from Here and Downfall. Not downfall, hate breeder by Jonah Bodum. Yeah, so thanks a lot for that recommendation, Stan. I will try and find a digital copy of it somewhere. But yeah, I highly recommend you go and chat that one down track that one down if you're into your uh, melodic death metal. Also, congratulations to uh, Jason from Into the Combine, who's just recently had a baby. Obviously, I'm missing out thousands of amazing examples here, but do hit me up on Twitter and Facebook. I'd love to find out more because I think this is a much maligned subgenre which actually has a lot of really interesting, great stuff here. The only uh, actual subgenre I really didn't touch on at all was the kind of grindcore slash power violence or like the heavier end of hardcore Christian stuff. Honestly, because I was scared of what I was going to find, I just sort of steer cleared, steered clear of that because obviously with a lot of those genres, they're very political. And I think I might politically have an ideology clash with some of those kind of bands. Another brand I briefly wanted to give a shout out here are Vandem Pla, who are the only band to come to mind when I think of truly agnostic metal. So they're a kind of sort of similar to Seven Days, who I briefly mentioned earlier, like that kind of prog power, but just really well done prog power, particularly their album Christo. Not a reference to you, just actually a reference to the Count of Monte Cristo. But they've got a lot of tracks on that, particularly uh, Postcard to God, where they are just literally questioning the possibility of um, of religion and so on, which I, I think interestingly fits into this category. And actually, similarly labels them, along with a lot of these bands, because I think agnosticism in, in metal is also kind of frowned upon. Like... It's certainly, I've certainly seen them labelled as Christian metal in a lot of places, although the Christian community don't kind of sh see them as one of their own, I, I guess. But yeah, hi highly worth checking out if you like your kind of prog power stuff. But yeah, so the final band I want to talk about today, who probably, actually easily the most famous of all of these, are um, Saviour Machine. The Saviour Machine were formed in the early 90s, taking their name from the David Bowie song. They're led by guitarist Jeff Clayton, and I believe his brother Eric Clayton, uh, who's the vocalist and main lyricist. On this, we're going to be covering their debut album, self-titled Saviour Machine 1. Um, 
Dean Forsyth plays bass on this and Samuel West on drums. They'll sh switch through a lot of uh, bass player and drummers over the years, but the core of the two Clayton brothers has always been leading this band. So they're an American group, and they tend to be listed as a symphonic or gothic metal band, but I feel that almost paints them in a bad light, because they're a lot more rocking and kind of bombastic chorus bass than that might suggest. So I first came across this band because of Eric Clayton's amazing performances reason in Arion's The Human Equation. He's got this really kind of for a kind of frontman of this style, quite a low singing voice, but there's a lot of range in there, and there's a hell of a lot of power to what he does. Um, over the years, these guys have released um, six albums on two kind of like themes, essentially. I, I believe they're all concept albums, although I've not delved too deep into the concept of Saving Machine 1. But what really struck me straight away is just the, sort of the bombast and power they have to their songs. The the opener of the album, Carnival of Souls, really kicks this off, and actually all the kind of early tracks have these super memorable choruses. What I also like about how about this kind of style is the guitar doesn't drive too much of it. It's like the rhythm section, the bass and the drums are really puts a lot of power into this. And then the guitars, and there's a lot of keyboards as well in this, I think entirely played by a guest musician. But like the guitars and the keyboards have this kind of very melodic trade-off throughout. And the kind of Christian lyrical themes really suit this kind of style because they just make it feel so epic um the, the, yeah the, this all feels quite sci-fi in places as well and from a few like live videos i've looked up they seem to have a really interesting stage show going on somewhat based in that like eric clayton wears some very odd makeup uh kind of wasn't expecting any of this because he plays such a kind of um i, I guess like calm and sensible character in in the Arion thing to see him kind of made up and wearing costumes and so on with Saviour Machine was slightly unexpected. Sadly, actually, I think this band are now essentially no more because he's um, had some problems with, I believe, throat cancer, so he's not really singing anymore, which is a shame, but they, they've had a good run since starting out in the early 90s with this. This was released in 93 as well, so very similar time to Paramecium, who we were talking about right at the start. I haven't dug much into the rest of their catalogues, so I'm not sure if this is the case throughout, but this album in particular is incredibly varied. It's, it's a very long album, it's 12 tracks, and I think it's I think it's well over an hour runtime, but there's a lot of changes throughout. There's some more ballady songs, and then there's some more like sort of progressive numbers like Killer, which goes through 10 minutes, like, runtime, whereas the rest are more of this kind of verse-chorus structure. That one's got a whole kind of interesting instrumental section in the middle. Yeah, there's some of the songs are just much more, like, kind of riff-driven and, yeah, just big chorus-based. There's just a lot to dig into here. A lot of it will, you know, depend on whether you can get into some quite cheesy music, because in a lot of ways this is kind of cheesy, but it's not divine fire cheesy. This is more just, like kind of a lot of classic rock kind of uh, influence in a lot of places, especially like that kind of 80s era of rock. You can definitely see the influence of that on this. Much like most of the bands uh, I've covered today, I, I feel the need I'm going to have to dive a lot deeper into them and say for ones like uh, Panagrist, I, I really want to keep following and see where they go in the future. Yeah, this, this is quite a short episode by comparison to the usual because almost everyone I'm talking about today... I've come across in the last month and haven't really had time to delve much beyond like the album we are covering there. But I hope if you're not, if you've never listened to Christian Metal or it's something you've been avoiding, I hope I've at least persuaded you that there might be something in your kind of wheelhouse that's worth listening to from that genre. And if you're a big fan of it, please hit me up and let me know what stuff I've missed along the way there. There's, there's bound to be hundreds of really great bands that have just never come across my radar so if you want to get in touch hit us up at philsbreakfastmetal or one word at gmail.com uh, is our email we're on twitter at breakfastmetal and facebook at philsbreakfastmetal also as you you may have noticed our next episode is going to be episode 50 I was discussing this with Rob yesterday, and we'd like to do something that involves the listeners a bit more for this one. So what we were hoping for is if you could get in touch and give us recommendations of a band or album you'd particularly like us to talk about. We'll try and... If you 
limit it to one because we'll probably get quite a lot and we're not going to be able to go through if, if you recommend us like 20 odd we're not going to be go, able to go through the whole lot but if you send us a recommendation of an album you think might be something we'd enjoy or just you really think needs covering we'll we'll give it like a not super deep dive but we'll certainly try and get into it and get our heads around it also if you just got any general questions we'll happily answer them as well yeah so please get in touch on any of the like aforementioned uh platforms because yeah we, we'd love to make this a real like bumper long ex- episode and and just dive into what sort of uh fans of the podcast are really into and and if you want to you can plug your own bands and so on as always i'm really open to to hearing what music the listeners are making uh thanks a lot for listening to play this episode out i'm going to play a bit of the opener to save your machines debut album uh, this is carnival of souls mm-hmm.